Welcome to the second hour of uh, the Talking Point here on SAFM. Join the conversation anytime, whenever you want to. 86 0 2032 the SMS line 41391. That SMS coming to you at around 50. The WhatsApp line 061-410-4107. Important conversation we're about to have because the copyright and performance protection amendment bills um, are meant to provide for a number of significant measures that relate to the intellectual property rights and cover key products. Uh, While the process is still undergoing the public participation part or the public participation process, concerns have been raised that the provincial approach has been rendered really a tick box exercise. Some of our next guests have voiced their respective concerns of the unintended consequences of the bill in its current format in the present day and proposed recommendations to some of the teething issues that remain unresolved. We have a lot of guests. We have Pamela Saxby, who is public policy consultant uh, who's specializing uh, in the parliamentary process. We have advocate Ntlantla Sibisi, the chief executive officer of the Recording Industry of South Africa. We also have Stanley Koza, chairperson of Mushito and producer Gift Mlalose, is owner of Gifted Sound, Tando Phillison is legal counsel at uh, the Composers, Authors and Publishers Association, Capasso. Good morning to everybody. Thank you very much for making the time to join us. I think uh, for now I have Tando, I have Ndlantla, and I have Pam. I have Tando, I have Ndlantla, I have Pam. Stanley Koza and Gift Mlalose, they're still trying to uh, get to join in on the the panel. So Pam, good morning. Maybe let me start with you because uh, a lot of complexities in my head as I was reading about this copyright and performance protection amendment bills. And I think part of my biggest confusion comes with it being provincialized to some degree uh, for, I suppose, the purposes of representation. Give me the context of where we are with the copyright and performance protection amendment bills and the history behind it. Good morning. Good morning, KG. Thank you very much for inviting me to participate in this. Um, And hello, everybody who might be listening plus fellow panelists. Um, It has been a very, very long and and tortuous process. Um, I think uh, it would be rather lengthy and and, and boring for your listeners if I went through uh, too much of the history. But basically, um, what has happened is that um, as a result of the uh, Farlam Commission report on, uh, there was an inquiry into the somewhat exploitative conditions perceived to be prevailing in the music industry in particular um, at the expense of local um, performers and musicians um, who um, are understood to, uh, many of whom are understood to be um, unfortunately in in very dire financial straits as a result of of what is going on in in the industry. So um, the these two bills were, were crafted on that basis as a response to the recommendations made by the following commission. And so um, what happened is that in 2016, the Performance Protection Amendment Bill was tabled in Parliament, but it was put on hold until the Copyright Amendment Bill was tabled and processed because 
Um, the two bills are uh, intertwined in some way, although some participants or stakeholders don't think that that is actually necessary. What has happened is that um, uh, the, the bills, are, well, the copyright amendment bill is an incredibly complex piece of legislation, which most um, ordinary South Africans simply shouldn't be expected to even begin to try and understand. Uh, but what has happened is that um, there have been um, expectations raised in um, in the in, in ordinary South African circles, you know, amongst. Um, musicians and performers in particular, expectations have been raised that this bill, once it's passed and operationalized, will, will be a panacea to all their problems and, 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 and bad experiences. Um, and, and so there has been a lot of anger around the length of time that it has taken to process this bill. The bill was not particularly well drafted in uh, when it was first tabled. So the committee at the time in the National Assembly decided to re, uh, redraft it, um, which is what they did. And eventually um, it was passed and the Performers Protection Amendment Bill related to it was passed in 2018 uh, by both Houses of Parliament. At the time, both of these bills were what they call Section 75 legislation, which um, implies that they had no implications for provincial economies. Um, and then when the president sent them back, that was one of the reasons for his having returned them to Parliament in 2020, because um, it was uh, then uh, perceived, and, and I, I believe there were strong arguments made by uh, legal experts, that the uh, the bill should be tagged as what they call Section 76 legislation, which has direct implications for the um, economies of the provinces. And there was also a concern that there had not been enough consultation with traditional leaders because of the obvious implications of these bills for crafts, for um, indigenous knowledge, um, and a whole bunch of other things related to that. And, you know, it's incredibly complex. So um, that is where we are right now. The bills uh, have been, um, the concerns of the president have to some extent, um, according to certain stakeholders, been addressed. Um, there were a whole bunch of them, which I won't go into uh, because they're, they're really quite complex. But um, so they've been they've been addressed in the National Assembly. The, Na the National Assembly has therefore approved the changes that have been made to the bills and those changed or revised bills have been uh, sent to the uh, National Council of Provinces from where they have gone into the provincial legislatures where public hearings are now still in the process of, of being held. So that's the background. I think probably I've given you enough on that. Is this the first time, though, Pam, uh, that uh, the bill has gone through amendment? Uh, is there a process that isn't there a process that also happened in 2011? The 2011 process was the um, was the Copyright uh, Commission, which was the Farlam Commission. I, I referred briefly to that. Uh, that was a, an inquiry into the concerns expressed by creatives and particularly musicians. Um, and performers about the um, dire working conditions they find themselves in. Um, and those, I, that is a moot point. I, I, I try to, 
to stay away from making comments on whether or not these perceived grievances are, are justified. Um, I uh, look. My sense is that there has been a lot of exploitation in the past, and there have been a lot of um, unfortunate results of uh, poor contractual arrangements, which result from um, being in financial situations that require people to make quick decisions about earning quick money, if, if you see what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, you know, the independent contractors in particular, people relying on seasonal employment or, I mean, in, it, it, it's it's a terribly complex and emotionally fraught issue. Yeah. Uh, so does that answer your question about 2011? Yes, yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think then let's go to Ntlantla, uh, the advocate, advocate Ntlantla Sbisi, the chief executive of RISA, because, uh, you know, he's voiced concerns about the harmful provisions of uh, the bill in its current form. Good morning, Advocate Sibisi. The concerns that you raised were, and what is your history and background with the bill, and how did you get to the concerns that you raised? Uh, good morning, and thanks for the opportunity. Uh, perhaps starting with uh, my background, not just with the bill, but also with the industry as a whole. So uh, with all the concerns that have been raised in the past about artists dying as paupers, uh, the first industry task team that was uh, convened was around 1998, uh, which then led to the amendment on the Copyright Act that then allowed performers and record companies to earn a royalty when the sound recording is broadcast uh, on radio, uh, which is what is called meal time, mm -hmm. or publicly performed. Um, and that was designed uh, to assist the industry to be able to earn additional income from the exploitation of sound recording, because up until then, Radio stations would broadcast uh, sound recordings, but they were not paying those that created the sound recordings except publishers and, uh, and composers. So fast track into uh, what Pam has mentioned, which is the Farnham Commission. Now, the Farnham Commission was designed because it was meant to investigate royalty payments from broadcasters to collecting societies and from collecting societies to performers. Now, it, it also came as a result of the delays that uh, happened between the industry, which is the recording industry, and the National Association of Broadcasters in reaching some form of agreement on the royalty. Uh, that matter went all the way to the constitutional court. So it was it was a way of investigating the delay, but also investigating uh, the issues affecting the industry in relation to uh, royalty payments. Following that commission, as Pam has said, then you had uh, the amendments being proposed to um, the Copyright Act at the time, uh, and I think what they had done was to lump performance issues, local content issues, uh, copyright issues into one bill. 
after industry lobbied hard, they then separated the field. And I think Sam has covered the performance in uh, fast track and the, uh, the parliament saying no, but the two are joined in the heat. So everyone accepts that the bills have to be updated. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You are dealing with the 1967 Performance Protection and the 1978 Copyright Act. We are in the digital space. We are now dealing with AI. So we need to bring our legislation up to date with the rest of the world. I mean, if you look at the treaties that uh, South Africa seeks to, to, um, um, to sign, they were passed, some of them, in 1996. If you look at the WIPO performances and phonogram treaty and the WIPO copyright treaties, those are 1996. And I, and I think WIPO is currently looking at how do they also update some of those, that legislation. So everyone agrees these bills need to be updated. However, there are concerning provisions in the bill that would actually lead to further harm on creators if they are passed in their current form. One of which is the fair use provision. Now, to clarify, simplify what fair use is, fair use is an open-ended exception. So copyright gives you an exclusive right. So I have an exclusive right to my work. If I compose a song, no one else should be able to use that song except with my permission. However, the the um, legislation around the world recognizes that it's a monopoly right and therefore there have to be some limitations that are placed on it. So our current legislation lifts those exceptions or limitations. For instance, private use, uh, research, um, you know, when you, when you Go to court and you can... Uh, Tantla, can I please right? ask you to pause? Uh, because the obligation I have is also to the advertisers that have oh. bought time uh, for I'll ads. Pause. But I don't I don't want you to, to rush your point but because I think yeah. it's very important. So I'm going to go to a quick commercial break and then come back. And I have to update the listeners to the fact that on top of advocating Tlantas BC and Pamela Sexby, Stanley Koza, uh, the chair of Mushito and Gift Mlalose, uh, and also, of course, Tando Phillison have joined the conversation and we're going to continue our conversation when I come back from break around the unintended consequences of the copyright and performance protection amendment bills. It's 10.22. You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. Please be gentle with us and, and, and do your best to understand all the legal complexities. And we are having a conversation around the unintended consequences of the Copyright and Performance Protection Amendment bills. It's been talked about for years and years and years and years. And, uh, you know, it's meant to provide for a number of significant measures relating to intellectual property rights and uh, cover key products. And the process is still undergoing uh, the public participation process currently. Concerns are being raised by various sectors that the provincial approach to the exercise is really being uh, rendered a tick box exercise. We have five guests and I always make the example of how in South Africa, uh, without understanding the complexities, a lot of people will say, for example, about actors, about um, 
you know, people who work the work I do, uh, and uh, let's say act musicians particularly, they'll say, so-and-so died a pauper. What did they do with their money without fully understanding the dynamics of, of, of the business? So we want to understand thoroughly, and where you have a question, join the conversation and ask our five panel members uh, a question on 86 or the WhatsApp line 0614104107. Our panel is made up of Pamela Sexby, public policy consultant specializing in the parliamentary process. Advocate Ntlantla Sibisi, who was talking now, is the chief executive officer of RISA. Stanley Koza, the chairperson of Mushito and uh, producer. Gift Mlalosa is owner of Gifted Sound and Tando Pilison, who's a legal counsel at the Composers, Authors and Publishers Association. And Ntlantla, uh, advocate Ntlantla Sibisi, I apologize because I know uh, I know him as Ntlantla, but he's actually advocate Ntlantla Sibisi. Uh, he was still explaining uh, the part of, uh, you know, the concerns that they have raised as RISA to the bill in its current form. Advocate CBC. Uh, thanks, KG, and you are allowed to continue calling me. We've known each other for a long time. So what I was saying is that in the current end, the limitations are here. In other words, you are able to go to the Copyright Act and see under which circumstances are you allowed to use someone's work without permission, because that's really the issue. Mm. It's using someone's work without permission. So the rules of the game are published up front. It's here. Um, but what the department has done, they've introduced a U.S.-style phase, what is called phase. They call it phase, but it actually is not, not quite fair. In the sense that the the bill then allows for additional exceptions that may be determined by the court, mm. right? Mm. So it, it's no longer a closed list of exceptions. It's now it's rules that uh, can also be um, looked at by the court. And as you know, with the court, it depends on who has the best legal brains. Uh, and meeting the best legal argument. Because mm-hmm. the court does nothing else but be an arbiter of a dispute yes. using certain specific rules. Yes. So if you have a good uh, legal team, and we know that the people that are pushing for fair use have deep pockets, so they will actually put our own artists into a very difficult position where if they are, uh, words are being used, as they are, by the way, I mean, if you look at AI, for it to learn what it needs to learn, it uses other people's works. And it is using it without permission. And I can tell you, if the industry, as it is doing now in the U.S., takes them to court, there's going to be an issue of whether the use by AI is transformational or not. Mm. And if the courts in the U.S. think it's transformational, it means they don't need to... Uh, get permission of the copyright mm. uh, owners, which means your earning potential has been limited. Mm-hmm. So say you introduce an unknown limitation into your earning potential, and that's what our concern is about. And we are saying, why do you make us uh, a, a type of less than 10? Mm. I mean, if you look at the countries that have adopted failures, and even then, they have not fully adopted failures. The one that is is Israel, that is fully adopted fair use, the U.S. style fair use. The others, they try and call them hybrid, but we don't understand what that means. Mm. But essentially, you have Ghana, I think, in, in, in Africa, 
And then you have uh, some countries in Asia, and that's about it. They are about eight countries. Mm-hmm. So those that argue that fair use is going to bring innovation in South Africa, it, then the rest of the world would have gone for fair use. Yeah. And yeah. if you know that it's going to assist you with innovation, you would go for phase. And two, we are saying to the department, how did you arrive at a change from a closed list of limitations that everyone can see by going to the legislation to what you are trying to introduce, which is which is phase? What informed it? Yeah. And we're not getting an answer from the department. Okay. Tando uh, Filosinamo, welcome. Uh, Legal counsel at the Composers, Authors and Publishers Association. Tando, uh, what did you present to Parliament? Tando? Tando, good Um, morning. Hello, can you guys hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. What what did you present to Parliament? Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity for uh, just speaking on the radio. So uh, working at uh, Castle, which is uh, representing composers of the musical work, we were just concerned with uh, most of the clauses that have been uh, implemented in the bill, which we foresee that if they pass in car, they will have unintended harmful consequences, uh, especially in the creative industry as a large. So we presented in Parliament uh, our concerns. We also presented our recommendations that can be considered, uh, like the like uh, the various stakeholders as well. Looking especially with the new age that has come, which has to do with a lot of digitization. Now we know that uh, music is mostly consumed on streaming platforms, so digitization has definitely taken over. So whilst the the bill did introduce the the the, the internet. Uh, <coughs> rights on the on on the proposal it did not cater for the consequences also of the other clauses that have been implemented for instance the failures that has just been taking place that has just been discussed so much to say that if this is passed as it is it will give rise to a lot of litigation first of all mm. uh, the bill was supposed to come and uh, redress the past issues of our creative diamonds pulpit but now if you're introducing systems and doctrines such as fair use it is it'll just not um, uh, apprehend or be able to do what it's supposed to do which is uplift the creators so what we have seen is that uh, what we have recommended to Parliament is that, first of all, the fair use and the fair doctrine being introduced to work hand-in-hand is impractical. We have highlighted to Parliament that such would cause um, a lot of infringement cases. Yeah. Tando, can I please ask for your indulgence again uh, be, uh, to pause your your thought process and then continue when we come back because it's 10.31 and we need to go to news headlines. I'll allow you to finish your trail of thought after the news headlines. It's 10.31 and Musa standing by with the news headlines. On listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. Welcome back. It's 10.34 on SAFM. We've been in conversation with five guests, guests sorry, regards the unintended consequences of the Copyright and Performance Protection Amendment bills. Pamela Saxby, public policy consultant specializing in the parliamentary process, advocate Ntlantlas Bisi, chief executive officer at the Recording Industry of South Africa, Stanley Koza, chairperson of Mushito and producer, Gift Mdlalose, owner of Gifted Sound, 
and Tando Phillison, legal counsel at the Composers, Authors and Publishers Association, Capasso. Tando, do you want to finish your trail of thought? Yes, yes. Uh, thank you once again. Um, so as I was just saying that um, when it comes to infringement, it gives rise to a lot of litigation. And then it puts a lot of burden on um, a simple composer who has uh, trying to fight uh, that infringement has taken place. Now the act doesn't give remedies to the composers to be able to sue fairly. Mm. It puts a lot of burden on the creator himself to say that, hey, my right has been violated. I need to be able to act. But the act doesn't have simple things such as the statutory damages, whereby the burden at least from uh, the composer's perspective or the creative is shifted to say they don't have to have that huge burden upon their shoulders to be able to sue big platforms or smaller platforms where they are where their royalties are being used, where mm. their musical works are being exploited. So those kind of things are very much damaging. They've also uh, inserted a, a, a definition clauses that will have impact in the way we collect royalties as capato and pay to the members. Um, they have shifted in such a way that if it is passed the way that it is passed, it means that the royalties that we collect will be lesser and which will be to the detriment of the composer. Also, we have uh, just suggested to Parliament that since they are bringing these wide exceptions to the music users to use music free of uh, paying royalties, they need to at least put in measures such as uh, private copying levies to say that at least look just balance to say at least while you are being you are being compensated while your rights are being exploited without the proper compensation. So those are just some of the things that we have listed, including the fact that the one size fits all approach is also just flawed because what works in the music industry and what works in another industry does not actually work well in creating Yeah. Okay, uh, your line is also letting me down. Please, Tando, go to the spot, uh, the good spot where network is concerned in uh, your office. I'm sure uh, you've got that spot where everybody says if you go to that corner, uh, the network is a bit clearer because your line is letting me down. But whilst you do that, Stanley Koza, the chairperson of Mushito, I want your take on the on the consequences, intended or unintended, of the copyright and performance protection amendment bills. Good morning. Sorry it took so long to get around to you. No, not a problem. Uh, patience is one of my strongest points. Uh, but also let me greet the listeners of FAFM and the fellow panelists on board. Uh, as indicated, I'm also the vice president of the Association of Independent Record Companies. I think for me and for us, of course, as an organization, is that the bill in its current uh, form and the proposed changes does to some degree sound correct, but comes with a lot of dire issues that my colleagues have further alluded to. One of the things that I think we, we want to look into is the issue of bundling the discussions and the wanting of passing these bills at the same time, because what might work for me might not work for a fellow actor on the other end. And I think the bundling of the discussions and the wanting of, of, of putting these bills together and finding them being signed at the same time without allowing the independent uh, sectors to have straight, directed approach on each and every issue that is brought up on the bill is what is killing us as things stand. 
Um, we are having people that want the bill to be signed because they are for the bills. Then you've got those who are not ready because there are still things that we're fixing, like ourselves in the music industry. So the bundling of issues is one. The issue of the provisions uh, that have been highlighted uh, by my fellow colleagues as well will affect the sector highly. So all we are asking for is for time enough for us to address these things as independent sectors and be able to indicate point by point things that we are not happy with. Yeah, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the participants in the sector or the people that work the sector can say to you, we're broke, we don't have time, we can't keep waiting anymore. Give to Mlalosa, I want to hear your take on the unintended consequences of the Copyright and Performance Protection Amendment Bill. Thank you so much for, for having me. Also. Mm. Uh, I think on, on my side, apart from being the owner of Gifted Sounds, I mean, assessor and moderator for music studies. For me, these two bills are actually very much related. They are one thing. Uh, they haven't been explained that enough to be understood, especially by those who are, who are making these sounds or, or the recordings on the music itself. Because if we go to the fair use, how do we measure the fairness? That should be the, the, the starting point. And maybe before we even go there, who is there to benefit if these two bills are signed? Mm, in, the, in their current form. Even if we were to touch them and make them something beautiful, who is there to benefit if they are signed? And who is there to suffer if they are not or if they are signed? So I... I to myself, I think people who will suffer more are the people who are already making the music. And are those people not already suffering mm. in the creative sector? In mm. the, even in the absence of this bill being signed. So I, 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 don't, mean, I, don't, I don't understand. So you're saying uh, you're damned if, to, if you do, damned if you don't, because the suffering anyway already happens. Am I understanding correctly? The, the, the creatives are already suffering in this country. Even, even the organization and the collecting societies, which, which, which are there to maybe distribute these royalties and the organizations which represent artists, they are not even doing enough to, to educate, to consult, to, to the artists themselves. Artists don't know this thing. They, know, they don't know how this bill will even benefit or not benefit them. So in the absence of this bill being signed, the creatives are already suffering. If we sign them, how much more suffering are we bringing? Hmm. Uh, Pam, I want to come back to the provincializing of uh, the hearings, right? Uh, you know, is it uh, a tick box exercise? How is it going? Because I remember uh, there was an issue when MEC uh, Motara uh, made uh, her representation here in Gauteng. Is it a tick box exercise if what Gift is saying uh, stands corrected that even the artists themselves have no full understanding of what is happening uh, in these uh, representations for them? Yes, KG, Gift is absolutely correct. Um, This is my concern. I I have been um, a a community development participant, I suppose you could say, in various processes pre-1994. Um, so I do understand the, um, the um, difficulties that sometimes are experienced by ordinary, 
ordinary grassroots communities and ordinary South Africans, and I include myself among them, mm. um, in trying to make sense of of what is going on in 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 the in the legislatures, the provincial and uh, legislatures and parliament, and what what is actually meant for them by the legislation or the laws that are being passed. There there is a um, a need for for a far more um, fundamental consultation process. Now, the uh, government has done its best in terms of um, trying to to open this process up for uh, uh, grassroots participation by holding hearings in the provinces. Um, the problem is that um, there is this uh, rather superficial approach being taken by the National Department with the greatest respect to the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition. Um, we have people, officials who, who um, in, in, a, in a most almost a sort of patronizing way, um, try to explain to uh, the people attending these hearings in the provinces what the bills are doing, but they use legalese, they use um, jargon and 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 somewhat technological kind of or technically complex terms that only um, lawyers who actually practice intellectual property law can can understand. Mm. So, what is actually happening in the hearings? And I use Gauteng as 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 one example because. Gauteng uh, province has actually done an, uh, quite a good job, in my view. Mm -hmm. they've, um, they've actually made their hearings, they've live streamed their hearings, and there has been a lot of participation from people across the spectrum, um, ordinary South Africans uh, from various areas in which most ordinary South Africans live who've come to speak about what they think these bills mean for them. And there's been a lot of anger expressed towards the department in actual fact mm. uh, uh, in that in for exactly the reason that gift has has said that um, um, there's an assumption on the part of the policy makers that these bills will in fact address the issues that they are intended to address um, but 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 they're not listening to the ordinary people on the ground. Mm. They're not listening to the concerns being expressed by those people. It's much easier for them to listen with with with, with respect to to the advocate. It's much easier for them to listen to somebody like him, mm -hmm. uh, because they relate on an intellectual basis. They they have received the same level of education and they have the same background in a way. Um, and so there's this massive gap. So it has become a tick box exercise. I'll give you an example of what happened yesterday in the Northern Cape, mm. um, where um, each uh, stakeholder it was a it was a it was held on MS uh, uh, teams, uh, which made it possible for various stakeholders from the various companies, including Tando, she was there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, to present their perspectives, but they were given five minutes each. Now, the members of the provincial legislature who were present were overwhelmed by the amount of information they received because those hearings, each one, starts with a presentation from the Department of Trade and Industry and Competition in that jargon. And everybody has to go through the long, drawn-out process of listening 
to what the bills are trying to achieve from the perspective of the national department and the policymakers. These, these, these members of the provincial legislatures are also ordinary South Africans. So then you, you have, that's the first step. Then the second step is for fairly sophisticated representatives of the various, some international, some local organizations in the industry, mm. presenting their views as, as the advocate has done. And the, the members of the provincial legislatures and the members of, the, of, the, of parliament mm -hmm. itself mm -hmm. are overwhelmed by this information. So, so that's what's happening in the live streamed um, sort of interactive uh, sessions. But they're not really, they could be interactive, but they're not. Mm. Because the, the provincial legislators are not asking questions. This is this is why I consider it to be a tick box exercise. There's no interplay. There was in the Gauteng um, um, hearing, particularly one um, that was held um, in Benoni, as I recall. Um, there was interaction um, and 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 questions were asked, and the uh, chair of of the committee responsible for processing this phase of of the bill was clearly given things to think about. He yeah. actually questioned some of the policy issues. Uh, so that is a, a, an example of how it could be done. Then in KwaZulu-Natal, for instance, the entire proceedings have been held in Isizulu, mm -hmm. which I think is I think is great, mm -hmm. um, but that is, that excludes your industry participants, your stakeholders, your big companies, because most of their representatives are speaking in English. Because mm. the concepts, the concepts are, are are more easily communicated in English. So this is where the entire process has become what I consider to be a tick box exercise. There has been no meaningful dialogue between ordinary South Africans and the more sophisticated, well-educated people that tend to be employed in those big companies. Um, and that is the gap. And it doesn't only apply, frankly speaking, to the Copyright Bill and the at least the Copyright Amendment Bill and the Performance Protection Amendment Bill. It applies across the board. It applies across the board because of the, the, the challenge faced by this country is to come up with legislation that makes a difference to the people who have suffered over decades and, and centuries as mm. a result of what we all know uh, about. I mean, let me not speak about colonization and apartheid, but nevertheless, they are a horrible fact of reality. So the government is trying to do what it can to address those, those terrible issues. And, and in doing that, the uh, stakeholders are some of them are taking advantage of that to manipulate the process that is my view that okay. is my view which makes it a, a tick box exercise okay uh we have some callers some of our listeners uh want to ask you a question dr sillo halane uh as who is probably well known to most of my panels uh wants to contribute and debucho uh also wants to contribute uh to the discussion but i'm going to have to go to a quick commercial break first and then allow for callers we are talking the unintended consequences of the copyright and performance protection Amendment bills. It's 10.50. You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SFM.
Welcome back to The Talking Point. We've been talking the unintended consequences of the Copyright and Performance Protection Amendment bills. We have some calls. Dr. Silo Khalane, you want to explain some legalities that you feel are not properly understood. Good morning. Uh, good morning, and uh, thank you for uh, inviting me on, on the line. Um, this, this subject is really very complex, and it requires quite, you know, a series of episodes to deal with, and I'm told you will be able to do that. The, the complex issue about what we are dealing with, it is that we are sitting on the eighth version of the copyright um, and the performance protection rights together of our country. If you look at um, all the issues that colleagues have raised, they're all potent issues, they're very critical issues. But can you imagine that some of the issues that are sitting, what we need to be doing is we look at each amendment from 1967 and then, the, the, then you go to 98, Act 98 of 78, and then you go to Act 56 of 1980, where originality became a requirement for the first time, and where 66, uh, Act 66 of 1983, that limited uh, you know, the, the copyright in certain artistic works. And that is where the provision for the regulation and control of distribution performance or exhibition of works without the consent of the copyright. That amendment was made in 1983 in Act 66. The question that was raised earlier on by advocates of issues of dealing with issues with using works without the consent of the copyright owner. The Act 52 of 1984, it made provision for copyright in published editions and to extend the term of copyright in certain unpublished works. So this touches on both published works, unpublished works. It touches on you know, and if we deal with issues of limitations of rights, as it was mentioned, it is a Section 36 matter of the Constitution. And then it was properly elucidated there that once it begins to limit, quick reference has kept to be cited on Section 36 of the Constitution that deals with the limitations of rights, but through law of general application. And whether we look at whether this bill, which will then become an act of Parliament, it was properly elucidated earlier on. We are following a, constitu- a transformative constitutional democracy. Now, the extent to which every law of general application enacted and assented to by president is transformative. We need to measure from an amendment or what we call the, uh, um, uh, the principal bill itself, which is the 1978 Act. Uh, the copyright law, and then the 1967 is advocated properly elucidated of the performance protection, uh, you know, act. Uh, so w- when you look at these, you need to then say section by section where the right was provided for, where the limitation takes away the right that was already provided for in law. For example, if you give, if you 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 deal with section 52 of 1984. Now, that is the the next amendment, which made provision for copyright in published editions and extend extend to the term of the copyright. So we need to see the extent to which the extension of the term that was given there, which would have been 10 years, which is now sitting uh, at 50 years beyond your death, 
and how that is calculated from the end of the year on, on which the published work or performed work or work that was reduced in material form uh, would have been um, uh, you know, registered or Dr. Halane, Dr. Halane, I have, I have to, I have to ask you to, uh, you know, round off now because we, 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 we have another uh, a caller on the line. We also have five panelists that have to give okay. their final thoughts. So I can't, okay. I really can't. No, no, no. All I was just saying is that each, when we deal with copyright law and and uh, performance protection at the amendments that are into this bill, we need to then trace each right that was conferred by the Act and the extent to which it has been taken. Each one after another case by case. We cannot dis- okay. discuss it okay. generally. Okay. I mean, Advocate Ntlanta Spisi, where to from here? I mean, if we've had eight, eight versions of the amendment, like Dr. Halane is saying, where to from here? Because I stick with the fact that artists are struggling today as you and I are having this conversation still. What I've suggested, uh, AG and the listeners and the panelists to the department, is that the issues that are controversial, such as fails, surely those should be ring-fenced, including the minister's uh, power to prescribe standard contracts across all copyright sectors, which is just bizarre. Um, those issues should be parked so that we fast-track the passing of those sections that everyone agrees to, from actors getting royalties. I mean, the Beijing Tripsy provision, everyone agrees with it. The, the uh, provision in the Marrakesh Treaty that allows the blind and the visually impaired to have access, uh, format access, those things are agreed to by the copyright sector as a whole. So part the controversial things the field, let's then spend our time dealing with how then do we come up with subsequent amendments that would address those issues that are not immediately beneficial to creators. Okay, uh, but you know, so I'm, I'm suggesting to uh, my guests to allow everybody. <laughs> to allow everybody the space to sum up their where to from here uh, part of uh, my question after news, because I also want to uh, take a call from Tebuho and then we round off. Uh, I'm asking for just five more minutes from yourselves, because uh, I've got another caller in Tebuho. And Tebuho, I'm asking you to be short as well, because I have to go to news, but I have to allow for my panel to sum up their thinking about the direction they think this whole thing should go. Yes, Tebuho? Hi, KG. Good morning and good morning to your guests and colleagues there. Um, it's simple, um, KG. Um, I, and I'd like to agree with uh, both the previous caller who uh, spoke before, Dr. Hanan, uh, to talk about how to simplify this thing to creatives because it's about creatives. And we need, as opposing views, to agree that uh, things that are problematic, that are contentious, must be packed 
or fixed with immediate effect before this bill is passed. Because of, there's no point in being proud and egoistic, uh, whereby we are pulling each other from uh, their side and uh, we are confusing legislators what ought to happen. So let's pass a bill that is fit for purpose, fit for in, uh, fighting internet piracy. Uh, uh, so fair use definitely is a highly contentious issue. It has to be passed and all the other provisions that are problematic or fixed before the bill is passed. Okay, thank you, Debucho. And uh, just four more minutes for my guests, and then allow we, I, will, I will allow each one of you a moment uh, to wrap up your thoughts and answer to the question, where to from here regards uh, this bill? It's 11. It's time for the news, and Musa standing by. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we've been having an hour-long conversation around the unintended consequences of the Copyright and Performance Protection Amendment Bill complex conversation uh, with a lot of role players and uh, Pamela Saxby is public policy consultant specializing in parliamentary process advocating Lantas BC chief executive of the recording industry of South Africa Stanley Koza chair of Mushito Gift Mlalosa owner of Gifted Sound and Tando Pilisen legal counsel uh, you know all I wanted was for us to round off the discussion with where to from here where to from here Pam <laughs> Um, I just would like to make sure that everybody understands those who are listening and and that is very important that if the bill is passed or if the two bills are passed, that does not mean to say that they will become immediately operationalized. In other words, the benefits, perceived benefits or, or otherwise of, of, of both bills will simply be in limbo until regulations are, 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 are drafted and, and, and accepted and, and gazetted. Now that in itself is going to be a long consultation, public consultation process with the stakeholders. Draft regulations have to be gazetted for comment. The comments then have to be come, uh, come in and the department has to look through them uh, with its legal advisors. It may take several more years for these bills, even if they're passed, to actually have an impact on the people who are suffering. Yeah. So there's a there, there have unfortunately unrealistic unrealistic expectations have been raised. So um, it might be a, a compromise um, uh, politically speaking for the bills to be passed as a sort of um, a sweetener for for those who are suffering. Oh well, we've done something about this at long last, mm. but they have an impact the answer to that is no uh, there needs to be these are labor related issues that, are, that, that we're discussing here mostly they are to do with working conditions they are to do with royalties which are a form of of, of, of income um, and i think that the best thing would be for the regulations themselves and possibly even the bills to go through the nedlac process where the, where where people actually have to get to grips with the real issue where the minister and, and, and the policymakers have to be held to account, where industry has its say, and where ordinary South Africans represented by the unions have their say. Okay. That is a long, it's a long process, but that, in my view, is what needs to happen. Thank you, Pam. Thank you for your time. Uh, advocate, uh, a sweetener is not enough, clearly. I think... We've lost the advocate. I think he's... No, no, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm there back. He is. Uh, so as, a bit cagey, you're saying? I was saying a sweetener is clearly not what we want. 
Yeah, a sweetener is absolutely not what we want. There are challenges in the industry that we think um, uh, can be addressed by updating the bills. But uh, as the sentiment uh, says, let's fix those things that are problematic or just remove them for now. And I like Pam's suggestion that perhaps do take it to uh, NetLeg uh, and have the issues debated because it is a complex uh, legislation. Both the performance and the copyright uh, uh, amendment bills are complex. And I'm mm. sure in the last hour you've, you've kind of gotten a sense of how complex it's it is. It's extremely complex. Thank you, Advocate CBC. Let me allow you to go back to your work. Mr. Koza, yes, uh, Mr. Koza, do you want to give me some final thoughts? Yeah, I think for me, uh, the only thing that we need to do is to be realistic and it's to act out speed in making sure that these bills are thoroughly uh, dissected and made sure that are understood by our uh, membership institutions. Mm -hmm. But also the issue of language is explained that there's an important need for people to understand the bills in their um, own languages as well. Also, but when you look at the, 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 the role of government, the role of government is not just to tick a box, it's to make sure that when these bills are passed, yeah. They come in, in, into uh, effect. They've got real impact in the life of artists. So those are things that I think we need to look into. Like my colleagues have said, that we need to take the big the bills into a forum where we can thoroughly uh, debate some of the issues that we feel are still matters that needs to be clarified, like your fair use, uh, some of the rights that we infringe in artists that look like uh, they are yummy now. Yeah. Because we don't want to rush a bill that have got a digital defect yeah. uh, that will be able to accommodate uh, companies that benefit by running digital platforms, but yeah. uh, the right of artists as alluded to by Kapas as well. So for us as an organization, we're saying that can we have time to deal with this bill and remove the things that we don't uh, uh, appreciate as a country because we're not doing this and we're not going to be doing it in the next year. It will take a bit of time. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. I've run out of time, Mr. Koza, but thank you. Tando, do you want to give me 30 seconds and round off your thought process? Uh, sure. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. So, um, as, as it's been clearly stated that the bill, as they are, have a lot of deficiencies in its regard. So... In rounding off, in my opinion, I really think that it is very much important for the drafters of this bill to really um, refer them to experts in the industry. Uh, Having diligent uh, consultation with the different sectors within the creative space. Yeah, unfortunately, that's as far as I can go. But thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Pam Saxby, Advocate Ndlanda Species, Stanley Kosa, Gift Ndlalosa. I didn't even come to you, Tando Phyllison. It's 11-12.